This podcast is brought to you by Never Done Branding University, a community of entrepreneurs that are serious about leveling up their brand, sales, and impact. Become a member today and get access to the community to where you can network and collaborate with like-minded individuals, along with joining us for our live short-form video tutorials, where I show you how I film, edit, and so much more when it comes to video. And oh, I got you when it comes to marketing and showing you how to use social media to get your ideal customer. And of course, you get exclusive video of this podcast. So what are you waiting for? Head over to neverdonebranding.club and become a member of the community that has never done branding. Because if you're serious about your business, neither should you. See you in the community. Welcome to the podcast that has never done branding, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship and not just the glitz and glam that you're used to seeing on Instagram, but we really get real. From breaking down topics and teaching you all things branding to even teach you how to market yourself on social media. And of course, I have interviews with entrepreneurs from all walks of life to really talk about their experience and break down entrepreneurship for real. So if this is your first time here, make sure you favorite the podcast and also follow us on all social media platforms so that you can be a part of the community that has never done branding. I'm your host, Nasir Joachim, brand and marketing strategist. So let's get into today's episode. Today's interview is with Emmy-nominated executive producer of Recipe for Change and the founder of nonprofit organization Change Your Algorithm, Joel Verlapagos. And I'm super excited for you guys to hear today's interview, even though I'm going to probably say that about all my guests because they're here on the podcast. So of course I'm excited. But I'm excited about this one because Joel, um, him and I actually met on Clubhouse, which is an audio app, along with my last guest, uh, Christine Handy, which you can go back and listen to that episode. Episode, uh, episode three, to be exact. <laughs> um, but him and I met on Clubhouse, which is an audio app where you can meet a bunch of different people of different industries and different statures and CEOs and things like that. Um, but Joel, I love that he's taken um, a, a situation within his life, saw the problem that he had, helped himself, but also saw to where I can make an opportunity to help other people at the same time. And that's the kind of people that we need here in this world, to be able to self-reflect and see the issues that they have, get themselves help, but then also help other people at the same time from the holes that they may have seen within the process of helping themselves. And that is what we're going to hear today when it comes to why Joel actually became an entrepreneur and started Change Your Algorithm. But the thing that I actually love that Joel brought up that I actually talk about very, very often when it comes to my my podcast room, I mean, my clubhouse rooms and other you know things that I do is that your skills with in your nine to five, the things that you learn and you experience within your life are transferable. And he's actually going to talk about him, how him being an executive producer of these major shows with these major um, uh, networks and how those skills actually helped him within his entrepreneur journey. So get ready for today's episode. It's definitely going to be a good one. As always. <laughs> so sit back, relax, and let's get a warm welcome to Joe Valapagos. Hello, Joel. Uh, welcome to the Never Done Branding Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good, Nasir. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. 
Well, I'm, I am honored to, for you to be here on the podcast. Um, you guys, you can check out um, more about like Joel and things like that. And all of the links will be within the show notes of today's episode. But I like to do an icebreaker uh, with all of my guests that come on. And it's something that I like to talk, call. It's time for Attitude for Gratitude. Attitude for Gratitude. So it's just, what are you grateful for today? Because as an entrepreneur, I feel like you should always be grateful and it gets you through those hard moments. So what's Joel grateful for today? (laughs) Yeah, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm grateful for the struggles that I've had in my life. That includes the failures, the once were regrets, Mm -hmm. um, because those are the things that actually turned out to be really amazing lessons and things that made me stronger. Um, and those are the things that helped me find success in my life because I never really found that strength in all just the good moments. It was the quote unquote bad moments in my life that made me stronger. So I'm, I'm grateful for my struggles. Yeah. And I agree with that too. Um, and I actually talked about within my first episode, it's more about like who I am and where I've uh, gone through. And I fully agree with that. I feel like your ba- your worst moments actually make you a better person because then you look back and in those moments, you're like, how am I going to get out of this? But then <laughs> you look back and you're like, damn, I am really the shit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you were able to get through that. It tests your faith, doesn't it? Because we put our energy towards fear or faith, both of which we can't see. And it exactly. really affects your faith. And so it's such a good exercise. Exactly. And it also, I feel like it makes you fearless in the things that you do. And I feel like it's making me more confident. Do you feel like your struggles and you getting out of those have made you more confident as a person? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and not in confident as in cocky, but confident as in, I know what my values are. I know exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I feel like it's like all of those cut and tears open like a different type of thing. So uh, with that being said, please tell us a little bit about who, who Joel is, because obviously you're an Emmy nominated executive producer, which, by the way, recipe for change. I love it. I absolutely oh, love God. it. How was it working with someone like Mary J. Blige, Lonnie Love, um, like all of those? Sweetie was even on the episode, like so many different iconic women and also people within the uh, Asian community that are part of uh, the industry. How was that working on a show like that? Oh my gosh. It's, you know, such an honor to be able to work on the show for LeBron James's company, Spring Hill, which produces Recipe for Change, because out of all of the shows out there, there's not many that really stand up for marginalized communities as, mm-hmm. and as someone who is not just an executive producer for TV, but somebody who is gay and Asian. I completely want more of that exposure and awareness out there. And to be able to work on the show, whether it was our episode about Stop Asian Hate or Amplifying Black Women or How to End Antisemitism, it really is so meaningful because it's a conversation that we all get to have on the show. And for people that are a little bit too timid to have that conversation, they get to watch and feel like they're a part of the table. And to see such big celebrities like Mary J. Blige say, hey, I want to host a dinner and have these conversations um, is really impactful. And it gives you hope, especially in a world that can seem so wacky. You meet these good people. um, And then whether they're celebrities or people behind the scenes, at the end of the day, the commonality is that we really are so equal and we need to be um, fighting for that, for that equality. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I get all of that from watching the show itself, you know? And I, I when I heard that you were going to be a part of that project, I was like, oh, I'm super excited oh. to see this. And it was uh, nominated for an Emmy, which is absolutely phenomenal. How does yeah. that feel to be a part of a project like that that's like nominated, nominated for Emmy? Yeah, you know, it was, again, such an honor because it's like, it's recognized. And sometimes when you produce shows, all you can really do is hope that, you know, people watch and it gets recognized and whatnot. And for it to be nominated, um, was really, really such a good feeling, not just for me, but for everybody in the crew, because it's so symbolic of speaking of struggles, that's the struggles that we all go through people from marginalized communities and going, Oh wow, the needle is moving. You know, there is hope. Right. Yeah. We can't actually put our energy towards faith versus fear or not yeah. just fear. Right. Exactly. And with on the on the show, something that I've even felt and that I love, especially with me being a, a black gay male, you know, another double minority himself. And so um, with even listening to the black women uh, on that episode, I feel like that I related to them in such a different way that I didn't realize before um, with the struggles that black women face, along with how, you know, gay people may face things. Right. And, you know, and even listening to other people's, you know, backgrounds and things like that and why they enjoy cooking. Like, for instance, listening to Tammy Brown's story. Tammy, yeah. It's Tammy Brown, right? Tammy Brown. Okay, okay. I was right. Yeah. Listening to her okay, story. You're in a like nickname she, basis with her. It's all good. I know. I got a number. I send her a text later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just saw her thing at Target, actually, uh, which I'm like, yeah, good for her. Um, but even like hearing her story and why she likes to cook and, you know, and do all of that kind of stuff is so amazing. So that's great for you, uh, you being on a project like that. And, you know, even being on Hell's Kitchen. Uh, as uh, a co-producer, uh, how was that? That was fun. You know, that was, oh my gosh, seemed like forever ago. Yeah. That was I like, did my research. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. So that was, um, I spent a lot of time at MTV and I wanted to get onto a network show. And that was one of my first network sh- shows, which was Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different from yeah. MTV. And you know, working for a big channel like Fox was really eye-opening because I understood the scope of a big show like Hell's Kitchen. And I knew that yeah. one day I wanted to run a show of that size. Um, and so eventually I became the executive producer of The Biggest Loser. Um, and I ran that. And, you know, it's like a crew of 200 people and whatnot. Yeah. And it's really fun, you know. And again, the the lessons that I learned, the things that made me stronger were from, you know, my failures were from what I considered back then mistakes. Yeah. You know, as long as you shift that and see it as lessons and strength and you just become better and better. Exactly. And I, I love that that's the kind of viewpoint that you have on life, you know, and I feel like, you know, with each one of these kind of jobs have even helped you along with the things that you were going through. Now, you know, with that being said, um, I know with you and all of the struggles that you face with even addiction and, you know, mental health and all of that kind of stuff. And I've actually heard on, you know, other podcasts about, you know, kind of being a functioning alcoholic. So how do, do you feel like that you being a double minority with being a gay and also Asian man that you felt the pressure that actually pushed you to maybe be a functioning alcoholic to work with these crazy people every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. And I think it's so important for, um, anyone in that's coming from a marginalized community to 
do what they can to heal from the shame that others try to put on us, right? Yeah. Because growing up, I, I did have shame about looking different from everyone else. I did have shame about my sexuality. And, you know, that's why you, you stay in the closet for however <laughs> many years. Exactly. Um, but that shame, if we don't treat it and heal from it, will become something else growing up. And that's what happened for me. And that something else was an addiction, right? Yeah. Because I felt like alcohol would accept me. I felt like alcohol wouldn't judge me. I felt like there was belonging with alcohol. And despite having success in my career or despite money going into my bank account because of jobs and jobs, I still felt like those things were not enough because I felt like I wasn't enough. And yeah. so I really had to understand that happiness is an inside job and that instead of seeking for these materialistic things in life that don't actually fill anything um, that I'm looking to be filled, I realized that like I, I need to be the source versus the seeker of yeah. happiness. And so with that came some major introspective work. You know, I, I checked myself into rehab. I'm totally open about this because yeah. I feel like not enough people are talking about it. And when I did that, I really had to work on myself. So there I was executive producing big shows, but I wasn't even executive producing myself. Yourself, exactly. <laughs> so that was the show. You just waking up, you know, hit the alarm clock, go to work, come home, hit the alarm clock, kind of like that yeah. same thing every day. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I really understood coping skills and how the mind works. And that's when I fell in love with mental health. And that's why, you know, if, if I were to have a brand, it were to be the fact that I work on shows that are meaningful and inspiring and transformative, because those are the things that I want to surround me in my life. Yeah. And, and that's a, an amazing viewpoint to look at it. And now that I'm looking at the repertoire of work that you have, it kind of does like represent like, you know, people progressing within themselves, within their life, like biggest loser, like the people losing weight. Uh, Recipe for change is something uh, along the lines of amplifying minority voices and speaking from our experiences, not in the eyes of people that may look like this, but um, yeah. in the eyes of us specifically talking about our stories and who we are and what we do. So uh, growing up, do you feel like that you had the kind of support with your family and your friends when it came to who you are expressing yourself? Were you a very expressive individual or were you very quiet and reserved? Because I feel like now you're kind of, I feel like what I get from you is kind of like balanced. Like, I feel like you can be quiet in reserves and like a homebody maybe, and yeah. then be out and about and doing your, you know, whomever. Balance for sure. I think growing yeah. up, um, you know, mental health wasn't talked about in my household and it's mm -hmm. you know, not my parents' fault, not my family's fault or anything. Exactly. It's a generational thing, yep. you know? It's how my parents were raised. You don't really talk about, you know, anxiety or depression or how the mind works. And a lot of the, the tools really are, are, are not related to therapy or coping skills or mindfulness even, right? It's just kind of yeah. like, 
study, get a good job and, you know, learn how to survive out there. And I'm like, this isn't helping with my depression. Yeah. Uh, explains why. In <laughs> episode one, I was actually talking about how my uh, my grandfather has always called me Dr. Nasir. So like fruition for me to be a doctor because he's a biochemist. So I, I can. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, no, it didn't I, happen. I didn't feel like I had that um, uh, acceptance in a lot of aspects of my life growing up. Like in school, I was voted most quiet. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had like zero friends in grade school. It was like a photo of me in the yearbook, like hiding behind a tree or peeking behind a tree. Um, oh, my God. You know, it, it I got just... most unforgettable. So it's literally total opposites. <laughs> oh, like, did you really? I'm not surprised yeah. you got most unforgettable. Yeah, I got most unforgettable. And then I was with this girl and I'm like, girl, I don't even know you. So how are you unforgettable? Like, (laughs) turns out she was she was in with a lot of the guys. But that's for a whole nother story. (laughs) 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 But but yeah, but I I can definitely. So do you feel like that your experiences as a child wasn't, you know, as bad? It was just more of you being quiet and reserved because you didn't fully know who you are as an individual first. And then even going into your adult life, do you feel like that it really like um, kind of was like the same thing, like trying to find my place? But these accomplishments is going to showcase who I am rather than me looking on the inside showcasing who I am. Yeah, that's right. It really felt like the pendulum swung all the way uh, Mm -hmm. to the other side because I went from really quiet, I feel like I'm a loser, to I'm going to show everybody, you know, what I can do with my life to the point where it was almost just the surface level materialistic side of things. Yeah. And so now, speaking of balance, I'm more of the middle where it's like, Mm -hmm. it's okay to have accomplishments and success in life as long Mm -hmm. as my intentions are still about sticking true to myself and who I are, who I am and what I value. There are going to be moments when I'm going to be quiet and I'm just going to listen because not enough people listen out there. Right. Sometimes how you amplify other people is you just listen and they need to be heard because they have a story to tell. Exactly. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's really a balance of, you know, who I was when I was younger and who I was at an extreme level of my adulthood. (laughs) Yeah. And I've always been the kind of person to say that I feel like you need to experience every aspect of your emotions to really be a full human being in the first place. Like, like even for me, like I thought for a while, like I was no longer angry because of the things that like because of my abusive background and things like that. But then you get triggered and you realize, oh, no, bitch, you're still angry, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then then it's like, how do you actually deal with that? Now it's like, okay, now I need to speak to who I am on the inside to see what's going on there. If you're enjoying today's episode, don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. And oh, leave us a review because I want to hear from you and know what you think of the show. And I just may shout you out in my next episode for our community spotlight. And lastly, don't forget to share this with your friends, family, whatever entrepreneur that you know will get value from the show. So let's get back into today's episode. So now with all of that, you know, with your accomplishments, you know, a little bit of who um, who you were with growing up, now with you being two years with having changed your algorithm, what was the reasoning? Obviously, I feel like I already kind of know what the reasoning is behind it, you know? Um, but what was the the big push for you to create a nonprofit like Change Your Algorithm? 
Yeah, basically, when I got out of rehab, I absolutely fell in love with mental health. And rehab was not about don't drink. Here's why alcohol is bad for you. Rehab was literally just a parade of therapists giving you all of the wisdom that they have. And I spent a lot of money out of pocket. Um, Very fortunate that, you know, I was able to do that. But I realized that there's a lot of people out there that can't afford therapy. There's a lot of people out there that um, are really struggling due to a flawed mental health care system or healthcare system. And so knowing that suicide rates are tied into unemployment rates and then the pandemic happened, I was like, I need to do something. And I think that something is gather together as many volunteer therapists and launch a free mental wellness program where it's a virtual version of what I experienced in rehab, which is there's different classes that a volunteer therapist leads. And I couldn't couldn't believe that I couldn't find anything like that out there. And so that was a sign for me to go, this is what you have to do. Yeah, I I love that. And now, was it hard to kind of get something like a nonprofit like that going and started as an entrepreneur? Is that like your first entrepreneur journey in a sense? Yeah, you know what was interesting was that I really had to use my skills in television mm-hmm. um, to, you know, when you launch a show that no one has ever heard of, you know, you're really starting from the ground up, yeah. from hiring people to the look, to, you know, um, the theme, the message, the whatnot, whatever, right? So I had to take those skills and apply it to um, this mental health program. And so I knew that I wanted it to be cool and appealing and to not make mental health seem scary. And I wanted the therapist to be aligned and cohesive with like the message, which is you're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. This is a compassionate space. And then I put together a team of people just like I would for a show. Um, A lot of, I I was surprised to see how natural it was, but then I realized like, Oh, got it. Because this is kind of like what I do for television, but I'm doing it for mental health. Transferable skills. And I talk about this, like within me being in the hospitality industry, I was the youngest assistant general manager to work for Marriott. And like, remember that? Were you saying that? And me managing people, um, you know, has taught me how to now, you know, run a business, how to put systems in place. Ghost to, so I was traveling around the different hotels across the U.S. and I had to go into a, a situation, problem solve, and then put those systems in place. And now it's like even you within your business, now you see that those skills are transferable. And I hope right. anybody that's listening to this podcast realize that don't just take that nine to five and just look at it as a nine to five. And you know, is it? Sl- low quitting of what they're calling it now, um, but actually look at what the structure of the business is and how you can even take those skills and create it into something that you enjoy and that you're passionate about very much like yourself, because now you've created something that you're passionate about where you saw a problem and you decided to fill a hole for that problem. So how does that feel now being able to, you know, be a person to help people? Because you and I, we've met on Clubhouse. So I've talked about, you know, my story. I've heard your story. This is not the first time, obviously, I've heard your story. Um, so how has it feel to really impact people's lives in such a positive way? It's really fulfilling. You know, when I was... Um, addicted to alcohol and drinking my face off, I wasn't doing any volunteer work or trying to help others because I was so focused on why I was like miserable. You know, I realized that when you help other people uh, feel a little bit more fulfilled, uh, make them feel better about themselves and their lives, you start to feel a little bit more whole. 
Exactly. You know? yeah. And there's something about just humanity in general that is really so beautiful because we are built to be connecting with each other. You yeah. know, and there is that reciprocity of when you give to somebody without even yeah. expecting like there, you will receive something yeah. uh, that is so powerful, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it reminds you that kindness exists, that love exists, um, all of that stuff. I love that. Yeah. And I've always gotten that energy from you. Even when we met on Clubhouse, your energy was just very infectious. It's just like, you just like what I, I wish you would go back to creating your old videos. I would love, <laughs> I love seeing your videos pop up. It's the one where you're like, I think you're like standing in your house maybe. And it's like a blurry background and you're just like talking to the camera. And it was so educational and I loved it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> But um, but uh, it's so amazing with everything that you do. So uh, the last thing that I typically ask guests before we close out is something I like to call it's the branding alert. And so the branding alert is just what's your favorite brand and why? It's to showcase to entrepreneurs of why people are loyal to brands and why they join, you know, are part of communities from an emotional perspective. So for you, any industry, no matter what, what's your favorite brand and why? I'd say my favorite brand is Nike. Uh, just the that's a good one. The slogan alone is just do it, um, and tying into entrepreneurship and anyone that wants to start their own brand or business, you really just have to do it because yeah. you know, my good friend Chet Harani says that version one is better than version none, yeah. and and a lot of our time getting so overwhelmed and thinking about I'll do it when the time is right I'll do it when this is happening but while you're spending that time thinking like the whole world is continuing to go <laughs> on right like things are happening and you're not going to learn unless you actually just do it and exactly. then on top of that on top of that of course Nike is you know athletic and I love to work out because that's good for my mental health yeah. so Nike's my good my favorite um brand i love that now speaking of that um i see that you've been working out quite a bit do you feel like (laughs) working out really does help with your mental health and do you suggest a lot of that to the maybe the clients and the people that you work with uh within change my change your algorithm yeah, absolutely. You know, I see ment- I see working out more as a mental health thing than a mm-hmm. physical fitness thing because the 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 physical change- Is there like a goal there for the fitness side or not really? It's just to really just keep your mental health going. Yeah, you know, at first there was like a physical goal for me when mm-hmm. I started working out, but it started to feel like I was watching paint dry. You know, <laughs> you come home and you're yeah. like, why is it still here? And like, why are my muscles not? Um, but then once I started to see it as, well, I have so much clarity. I feel happier after a workout. I'm not anxious. Um, mm-hmm. I get endorphins, dopamine, you know, all of that stuff, those amazing happy chemicals that our bodies naturally produce when we work out. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of doing it. And then like later on, you're like, oh, wow, like I, I, I look a little bit tighter. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. those little things that is our intention when we first work out, right? Mm-hmm. But then like I go, all right, let me just make this a form of therapy for me. Yeah. And then the physical changes will follow. that's funny because back when I was in high school, we had to do something called like the senior project. And I did mine on swimming because swimming was my favorite sport. I played five different sports, but swimming was my favorite and I was the best at it. Um, And so I was, yeah, (laughs) for uh, swimming, uh, swimming, football, track, lacrosse, and basketball, Uh, all that kind of like different. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I did a project on that and we, t- that's where I learned about endorphins and all of that stuff and how yeah. it helps you with exercise because I trained my best friend that did not know how to swim at all to teach her how to swim and how that progression, uh, of like mental health and mood and stuff like that. And that's where I learned about endorphins and I taught them, you know, what working out and fitness really does and helps you with. So that's why I love whenever I, like I'm going through like my stories and I see your fitness videos and I'm like, yes, Joel, yes, you need to do that for me too because I'm not going the way that I should be. Um, but I feel like that's also a part of why I became an athlete when I was younger yeah. and why I played so many sports is to really get me through those those things because for some reason, at a, such a young age, I knew mental health was a thing I needed to focus on for myself. And it was the time, and um, it was the time that I actually was writing in a journal. And I was talking about how, and it's about to trigger warning, you guys, but um, it was about saying how I wanted my mom to die and how I just wanted to die because I hated her and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And my dad found it and didn't really do anything about it. Like he talked to me about it and said he was disappointed, but didn't actually do anything. And that was the moment that I realized I needed to put myself in therapy. And I did. My school actually had a wellness center attached to it, which was pretty cool. And we got basically free therapy at our school. And then it was a phenomenal. All of my friends, we all went to the same therapist, which which was not the best idea because of sophomore year. And I'll save that for another episode of the podcast. But... But yeah, I put myself in therapy and it was attached to my high school. So she helped me throughout my entire situation. And she actually helped me tell my parents that I was molested by my cousin. So like, and I didn't tell anyone for years. So having that support, having that focus on your mental health is so important. And I'm glad that I was able to recognize that at such a young age where so many people, I'm not, I don't have to have that anxiety now. You know what I mean? Like that addiction isn't as likely for me because I've been able to handle it a little bit differently when I was younger rather than now. You see what I'm saying? Because some people hang on to that shame or that secret, whatever they may 30, 40, 50 years. For decades, you know? And so that is such a blessing that you were able to, to learn how to heal, you know? We're all continuing to heal, aren't we? Right. It's like, that was the other big thing that I learned was that, I stopped seeing it as if my life has to be happy, 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 perfect, 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 perfect all the time. Because once I understand that there are going to be those rainy days, I just need to understand how to navigate through that, you know, and try that the sun's going to shine again. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like it it just makes you a, a better and a happier person in the long run. And like we said in the beginning of this podcast, like, I personally, I don't regret anything either that has happened to me. And I've healed my relationship with my dad and that side of my family. The one on my mom's side, I've accepted everything that has happened, closed that chapter, said the part ways, and we're good. And yeah. and, and that's okay. And I feel like a lot of people need to let go of the, the anxiety, the stress yeah. of family and just do you. Just do yeah. you. Start that business. Put yourself out there and be the person that you want to be. So, Joel, anything that you have coming up that you would like to tell the people before we close? out here today yeah you know i have um a couple of projects that i i can't talk about just yet but i'm really oh. excited um miss christine handy she gave us the exclusive about victoria's <laughs> secrets so i'll let it i'll let it slide though but it's okay it comes out on monday <laughs> but, but, you know i i'm I, just playing i can't say if you like yeah if you like recipe for change um that's good to know because you know we 
were doing. A spinoff, y'all. A spinoff. He can't. He can't tell. He can't tell you much, but I can insinuate a spinoff is coming, and it's going to be stunning. But go ahead. (laughs) But yeah, no. There's there's that in the works, and um, you know, Change Your Algorithm is partnered with more and more amazing organizations, and we're doing what we can to help whoever out there understand that they're not alone and that there is free mental health support provided by our volunteer therapists. So, yeah. you know, just continuing with our mission and our brand, if you will. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Those you. of you guys um, that are listening that want to find more out about Joel, please just look below and check out the show notes. But Joel, thank you so much for being here. And remember, I'm never done branding and neither should you. We'll see you in the next one. I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you made it this far, you're stunning. (laughs) I hope you really got some value to take away to apply to your business and or life. But don't forget to leave us a review because I would love to hear your thoughts on the show. But also, you may just end up being my next community spotlight where I spotlight you here on the podcast along with my social media platforms. And lastly, don't forget to share this with your friends and family so that they can also get in on the value. Thank you again, and I'll see you in the next one.